Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. So this week, we are jumping into a brand new series called All In. And if you play poker, you know what All In means, right? It's that one moment in your life at that table where you decide, all the chips I've got on my table, I'm pushing all in because I believe in what I've got. Maybe you're bluffing. I don't know. But you push them all to the center of the table. And it's a moment where it's a defining moment for you at that table because if you lose, everything is gone, right? But you really could win big, right? And so... It's an all-or-nothing moment. It's where you risk everything on something or someone. In football, it's your, you're down by one point, and you, instead of kicking the field goal, you go for that two-point conversion, right? You, you, that's an all-or-nothing moment. It's being UK. Last night, if you watch that game, or if you know of that game, what happened in that game? The last few seconds of the game, somebody shoots a three-pointer, and they win by one point. It's that moment. They were all in. He said, it's all riding on this moment. And he shot and he won, effectively messing up my bracket. (laughs) Not going to lie. It kind of got messed up when Florida lost anyway. That's a whole different thing. (laughs) In baseball, it's the squeeze play with two outs. It's that moment where it's all or nothing. If you think about missionaries of the past... Do you know the missionaries, when they used to go out into the field, they were all in. They said, I'm in 100%, and here's how we know. Because they packed all of their belongings in a coffin. They packed it in a coffin, and they'd ship out overseas with no intent of ever coming back unless it was in that coffin. My prayer today is to challenge us to go all in. I mean, let me ask you a question. When did we all start to believe that God wants to send us to, to safe places to do easy things, right? That God has called us to an easy life. Have you ever thought about what the goal of your life is? I'll say that from a biblical perspective, the goal of our life should be to glorify God and to enjoy him all the days of our lives. That is a biblical perspective. That is what the goal is. But I would say that most people's goal is just to get safely to their deathbed, isn't it? And that's exactly what you want to do. Like, have you ever thought about like how you want to die? Anybody here ever thought about how you want to die? Like, I know how I want to be buried, right? Like, I want, like, a Nordic burial. Like, I want to lay on a raft, and I want a sword placed on my chest. I want them to push me out in a lake, shoot a fiery arrow, and land on me and burn me in the middle of a lake. That's how I know I want to be buried. Like, that's what I want my dead body to go. But that's not how I want to die, right? But, but you know, you think, all right, being a Christian, maybe, maybe the cool way to die would be, like, a, a 95-year-old martyr. That would be awesome. You know what I'm saying? That would be great. But quick and painless. Quick and painless death. Quick and painless one. Nothing that is prolonged and nothing that I feel very long. That would be awesome, right? I mean, really, to live your life in such a way that you are completely all in and that you give it all for him and that you die serving and doing what he's called us to do. But have you really thought about how you want to die and the way that you want to die? Take, it, take a second. If you've thought about how you want to die, take a second. Take 15 or 20 seconds. Look at the person to the right or to the left of you. Take a moment and tell them how you want to die, how, how it is you want to go. Take a moment. Go ahead and do it. Talk out loud. Do it. Go for it.
Come on, you guys are giggling. Death is supposed to be like a morbid thing. What's going on? What, what are some of the ways, what are some of the funny ways somebody said somebody wanted to die? I hear lots of giggling. What's happening out there? What happened over here? What is it? Smothered by puppies. Smothered by puppies. Anybody else? That's a great way to die. Yes. There you go. That's awesome. Anybody else? All right, cool. All right, well, so those, that's really, really awesome. So, right, but thinking about being a martyr in general, it gets you thinking about your brothers and sisters, right, who are dying as martyrs right now in the Middle East. I mean, if they confess that they are Christians in some areas that are so hostile towards being a Christian, if they confess that they are Christians, their hands may be cut off, their feet may be cut off, or some of them, a lot of them are, are just killed. They're just, their lives are over if they confess that they are a Christian. Or what about the, the, uh, the mall that was attacked in Kenya back in September, right? These guys rush in. They're a, Muslim, they're a radical Muslim group. And they rush in and they, they say, everyone who's Muslim can leave. Everyone who's not, we're going to kill you. What would you do in that moment? If you were facing the end of a rifle, what would you do in that moment if they said, are you a Christian or are you a Muslim? Would you lie? Would you say, yeah, I'm a Muslim. What would you do in that moment? I'd like to think I know what I would do, but until that moment comes, I can't really say. I, I can't really say shame on you for that moment. I've never faced it. But I would love to know that I would say, Jesus is my all. I would love to know that I'm all in in that moment, right? When we all want to say that, that's what we want to say. But would we really? And we can't really know. But when you look at the early disciples, they were all in. They, even unto death, a lot of them were killed. And we are blessed. We live in a country where we don't suffer persecution for our faith, right? And, but this can be a blessing, and this can also be a curse. Because without persecution, we can buy into Jesus without really having to sell out to Jesus, right? We can buy in a little bit. We don't have to sell out completely. We can say, yes, I'm a Christian, and we can live our lives the way we want to live them without completely selling out because of this lack of persecution. But Jesus, Jesus didn't die to keep us safe. He died to make us dangerous. And when I say dangerous, I'm talking about living a life of radical love, right? A love that can overcome injustice. A love that can forgive anything. A love that compels us to reach those who are lost. A love that would lead us to live a life different from the American dream that says consume, hoard, accumulate, live in comfort, be complacent. But to a life that is to be so full of Christ's love that we generously and sacrificially give is what Jesus died for. That is what he gave us. And faithfulness, we think it's just holding down the fort. We think it's going to church on Sunday mornings. We think it's loving our neighbor. Like just, you know, we, we think that's what it is, but it's storming the gates of hell is really what Jesus paid the price for us to be able to do. He called us to live that way. And is there really anything greater than that? Is there any greater purpose than dying to self and living for a greater eternal purpose? Is there? of pulling people out of hell, of introducing them to Christ, the power that he has given us to do that, is there anything greater than that? But we all have this obstacle that we battle to not succumb to, right? And the truth is, is and here's this truth, you ready for it? We are not the center of our universe. We aren't. And this is what we all battle. And it's understandable, right? It's understandable why we battle it, because even before we are born, before we even come into this world, we're a big deal to our parents. We're a big deal to our families, to their friends. We're a big deal on Facebook, man. There are pictures of us on Facebook before we're even born nowadays, right? 
the, the sonograms, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, in case you were lost, like, how does he do that? It's not magic. But we're a big deal. Our parents spend an, an inordinate amount of time picking out our names. They pour over baby books. They maybe get in fights where, you know, like, hey, no, we're the, you can't have this name. I veto that name. This, uh, it, we are a big deal. They're getting our room ready. They're buying our clothes, and we're not even out of the womb. But as soon as we come out, we're helpless. We're sweet. We're cuddly. We demand attention. And our parents shift their whole lives around us. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. Your whole life changes the moment a baby enters the world. And they lose sleep for us. They cash in their life savings for us. They sacrifice for us. And all this to say, it's very easy for us to grow up thinking that we are the center of the universe. Right? And the truth is, at its core, that sinfulness is selfishness. It's that idea that I am at the center. That it's all about me. And my problem and your problem is we place ourselves on the throne of our lives. We say, we are king. It's my desires. It's my plans. It's my needs. And we may seek God, but we don't seek God first, right? We seek him second or third or sixth or tenth or last. And for some of us, not even at all. We don't seek God at all. And then we desire Christ to serve our purposes, right? We pray for things that are self-serving. We pray for things that are self-preserving. We pray for things that are self-ish, We pray for those kind of things instead of things that are selfless. We use God as a vending machine, but that's not what God is. What if this life was less about us fulfilling all of our desires and was about God fulfilling his purposes? What if? And haven't we all been guilty of what we call inverting the gospel, right? It's flipping what Jesus came to do upside down. And for many of us, we think that we are following Jesus, but we're really just inviting Jesus to follow us, right? Jesus, bless me as I do this and this and give me this and and that and I'll take a little bit of this and I want this. And and when we don't get something we want, we get mad at God, right? We treat God like a vending machine. I've used this analogy before. We push, we put our money in, we make our selection, we hit A3 or whatever the number is and it doesn't come out. Well, what do we do? We pound the vending machine. We get mad. We kick and scream and fuss, don't we? We tell people bad things about the vending machine, and we do the same thing to God. Well, I didn't get what I wanted. I prayed 10 days in a row and five minutes a day. I mean, I paid the price, didn't I? And God's supposed to answer me. He didn't answer me, and I'm not going to serve him anymore. And you shouldn't. We, we do this, right? I know I'm being a little dramatic, but, but don't we? In our attitudes and the way that we live our lives, whether we say our words or not. And we can't understand, why would God do this to me? You ever been in a situation where you, you have like a talent or a skill? This happens to athletes all the time. So maybe the, the, for an athlete, you're doing really well at something. Maybe you're headed towards being an All-American. You've got a scholarship in, in, in your, your field, whatever that may be. And something happens. You break a leg or you dislocate a shoulder. And all of a sudden, that whole world is gone for you. And the tendency is to, to be angry at God. It's like, why? Why would you take this from me? Don't you know that this is my will for my life? That this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life? How could you allow this to happen to me, God? Why would you? I've worked so hard. I've spent so many hours on the ball field. And now it's gone. Why, could, why would you do this to me? And we get so upset, right? We, God, this is my will. And you notice what everything is saying here? All the terms I'm using? My will. This is what I want. And instead of being willing to say, God, there's, there's got to be purpose in here somewhere. <clears throat> 
Because when God takes something from our life, he always puts something else there. But most of us are too busy fussing and fighting about what we've lost to recognize there's a gift right in our hands. And it's probably what we actually need versus what we think we want. We have to take time to open that gift and look inside of it and be thankful for it. But we, 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 when we, something is taken from us, we think, God, don't you want me to be happy? Don't you want me to be happy? And the thing is, is that God has a purpose for you. And if you'll embrace it, that purpose will be a wonderful gift to you and be greater than anything. And, and the thing is, is the thing that God takes away or takes out of your life, he may be bringing it back into your life at a later date. And I guess what all I'm trying to say to you or get to today is that in your life, who is following who? Are we really following Jesus or are we trying to get Jesus to follow us? What if God wanted to do more in you and through you? What if God was calling you to a complete new level in him? What if he was leading you to completely sell out for him and his will? What would that look like for you? What does it look like? And the truth is, every one of us in this room, in this room, we are all one decision away from a totally different life. That's true. I'll say it again. We are all one decision away from a totally different life. Think about how that applies in your life. Think across the spectrum of the things that you do on a daily basis. One degree of change, right? One degree can make the difference in your life in a, a totally different life. But the truth is, Jesus wants all of you. And it will probably be the toughest, toughest decision you will ever make. But if you're willing to go all in with Jesus, there is no telling what he will do. So here's where I want to land today. Anytime God is about to do something incredible in our lives, he calls us to consecrate ourselves. And as we consecrate ourselves, we make ourselves ready. That's what consecration is all about. It's a preparation, right? It's being ready for something, right? Like my kids. My kids want guns. And I'm like, no, you're going to learn to respect guns first. And that started with Nerf guns. They, I have some pistols, some handguns, and my kids want handguns as well. And I take them to the firing range and I let them shoot. But will I give them their own guns? No. But it starts with Nerf guns, right? Nerf guns are, hey, don't point that at anybody's face. Learn to respect that. When somebody doesn't want to be shot, you don't shoot them, Right. <laughs> of course, I mean, if somebody's breaking into your house, you know, I mean, it's like, get the Nerf gun, get the Gatlin gun, lay it on them, you know, whatever. Go Macaulay Culkin on them, home alone, you know, I don't care. <clears throat> but I mean, but they learned to respect each other with the Nerf guns. And recently for their birthday, they got airsoft guns. I don't know if you know what those are, but those hurt. I stood across the room and I said, load that sucker up. I need to know what this feels like. And so I stood across the room. I put a heavy jacket on. And, and stood across the room and let him shoot me in my back. All three of my kids, they loved that. It was great. And they listened to their dad howl. It left welts on my back. It was, it was fantastic. But they're learning to respect that. So am I going to give them? Give them? They'll eventually get to a point. I say all this because I'm preparing them. They're making preparations. Because they, they, they desire, they want to have a handgun. And I want them to have a handgun. I want them to shoot it. I want to go to a firing range with them. I hope that it's something when they're older, it's, it's something we get to enjoy more of. Because I enjoy it. And so I want them to have that. But I can't just give them a gun. They're not ready. 
It may be a time period. It may be an amount of respect. It may be an amount of practice. But whatever it is, they have to consecrate themselves. They have to prepare themselves. And that's exactly what consecration is. And we see this with the Israelites. So there's, there's a story here I want to tell. The Israelites are crossing over into the River Jordan. And they're getting ready to conquer the Promised Land. God has promised the Israelites. They've come out of Egypt. The, a Promised Land, right? And so the backstory is, this has like been a long time coming, right? Hundreds of years of slavery in Egypt. God delivers them miraculously. You need to read your, the Old Testament if you haven't heard this story. It's an amazing story. And God delivers them. They come to the, to the Red Sea and God parts it. We know this, right? Or Moses. Everybody's seen Charlton Heston do this, right? Maybe. I don't know. Red Sea parts and then the Israelites cross on dry land. And God delivers them that day. And the Egyptians come behind them and the sea crashes in on them, destroying the army. And so they go into the wilderness, and as they're in the wilderness, they kind of forget where they came from. And a whole generation now has to die out so that a new generation can raise up. There's all this preparation time. Their hearts had grown callous. And so God said, this generation doesn't get to go. And so they spent 40 years walking around in a circle until a generation was prepared to go into the promised land. And after that 40 years... God said, it's time. We're going to cross the Jordan. And they crossed the Jordan in the same way that they crossed the Red Sea. They parted and they cross over. And so these were people that were moving into a new season with God. And so God tells them in Joshua 3, 5. By the way, if you're here today and you need a Bible, we would love to give you one. If you just raise your hand, we will, we will bless you with a Bible. You get to take it home. It's our gift to you. But we are in Joshua. The verses are awesome. Oh, there, there, there it is. Verses up on the screen. Joshua 3, 5, it says, consecrate yourselves, prepare yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Now, this wasn't just a, a preparation. Now, they had been preparing, but now they were ready to go. Consecrate yourselves. And consecration is more than just obeying God's laws, right? We think, well, I, 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 I do everything I'm supposed to. I outwardly am following everything God says to do. But consecration is something that's deeper, right? It's something that takes place in the heart. And it makes one ready for whatever it is that God wants to do in your life. The Hebrew word means to make holy or to prepare oneself. And the implication is that you make yourself available for what God wants to do in your life, not what you want, right? Our biggest problem is that we try to do God's job for him. We want to do amazing things for God. You ever heard anybody say that? I think that's a noble thing, right? I want to do amazing things for God. But that's not what it is, what God has called us for. He wants to do amazing things for us and through us. Our job is not to do the amazing things. Our job is to consecrate ourselves. It's to prepare ourselves. Consecration is not going to church weekly. It is not sharing your faith. It is not keeping the Ten Commandments. It is not giving or serving in your church. It's not going on missions trips. That is not what consecration is. Those are all wonderful and beautiful things, and you should do them to be an active part of a Christian life. However, it is not consecration. Consecration is more than behavior modification. It's something deeper. It's more than just doing the right things. It's even more than not doing the right things, right? Staying away from the things that you shouldn't do. It's more than that. Consecration is setting yourself apart, and it demands a full devotion. It's making Jesus first in everything. It's surrendering all of you to all of him. It's realizing that every second of life, every bit of energy, that every penny in your possession, every breath is actually his. It's consecration is going all in and all out for the all in all. But let's be honest today. Most churches today are filled with people who will never go 
all in. Why is that? We may follow the rules, but are we really following Jesus? Have we cheapened what living for Jesus means? I would say this, that we have just enough of Jesus to be bored, but not enough to truly give our everything to him. Think about that for a minute. How many of you are bored in your Christian walks? You don't need to raise your hand. I'm not trying to embarrass you. I'm just asking you a pointed question. How many of you are bored? So for those of us following Jesus, we have a choice to make. The decision comes down to consecration, preparing ourselves for what God has for us, or boredom. It's this this dull Christian life. Boredom says, I've spent enough time here. I I know the routine. I know what's going to happen. I'm just going through the motions. I'm following the rules. I'm being a good person. I'm living a decent life. And most statistics will tell you that that people who have been, been following Jesus for two years, that their passion dies away. Have you ever seen this or maybe felt it personally? Right? At first, your life is changing huge. God is doing things in your life. But as you go down that path, you kind of get used to it. You know, you used to be moving on holy adrenaline, right? It was like, yes, it's awesome. Jesus, you want to charge hell with a squirt gun, right? And then something happens, right? We either settle or we get in a rut or we get sucked into the mundane. We forget. It's, it's, this can happen in every relationship, can it? If you've been married for any amount of time, it can happen there. It gets, it gets dull a little bit and you have to do things to spice it up. And whatever you do, if it's going on a date somewhere else or, or buying somebody a flower or some flowers or a card or doing something kind for them that you wouldn't normally do, whatever it is, you have to spice it up. You have to shake it up a little bit. And, and the, the relationship becomes an adventure again, right? But really, did Jesus die on the cross for us to live boring lives? I don't think so. I don't think that he did. Or did Jesus die on the cross and fill, fill us with his power to jump in an adventure of following him? When I was younger, I read a book by uh, Dr. Lester Summerall. And here's a guy who is all in. I don't know if you know that name or not. Uh, he's a pastor. He's, he's passed now, but he was, uh, he was out of Indiana. And here's a guy who lived his life all in. And he wrote a book called Adventuring with Christ. Isn't that a cool name? I mean, if you think about the adventures of, the, of, of everything that the disciples went through, it was an adventure. It may not have been a daily adventure, but there were adventures to be had, right? I love epic stories, and I hope that my life writes an epic story. I hope when people look back and say, man, can you believe that he got to do some of those things? Can you believe that he was able to go there? Can you believe that God used him to do this? I hope that my life reflects that. I hope. I hope. But this guy sold all, he was all in. Here's what he would do. He would get up every day and he would give 30 minutes of his day to himself. And that was to take a shower and shave, brush his teeth. Then he looked in the mirror and said, God, I'm yours for the day. And he spent the rest of his day doing whatever God asked him to do, whatever God led him to do. And he spent his life that way. Here's a man who dedicated himself to never driving in reverse. Silly. Silly. But he believed going backwards was the wrong way to go in life, period. And so he, he went all in on this idea. And everywhere he parked his car, I'm like, this is crazy. This is nuts. If a car ever had to be backed out, he needed to get out of the car. But, this, but he was all in on an idea. He was all in. And it was, it's, reading the story was just thrilling to me. And I want to live a life, not necessarily where I don't drive backwards. I don't care about that. But he did. But I want to live a life that is adventuring with Christ. That, that it's not just coming to church. Would any of you... 
venture to say that, that this was an adventure this morning? Now, when it was freezing snow outside and the roads were hazardous, yes, that was an adventure. And we all had some fun stories to tell. We made it and all of us spun out at some point in time and we had success stories about getting here. Yeah, I get that adventure. But was it, was it an adventure getting here this morning? Has anything so far been an adventure, been thrilling to you, where you felt alive so far? Probably not. That's okay. I'm all right with that. It, doesn't hurt, it hurts my feelings a little bit, but I'm the one saying it. It's probably true. But adventuring with Christ is something different than that. And when you go all in, you get to experience that. And again, you don't have to do amazing things. That's God's job. Our job is just to consecrate ourselves, to prepare ourselves. And I guarantee when you look back on your life, your greatest moments will be the moments that you went all in. The key is us just staying out of the way. God doesn't do what God does because of us. He does it and he does what he does in spite of us, right? It's truly that, it's truly that simple and it's truly that difficult. We just have to stay out of the way. And maybe, maybe you're here today and you find yourself bored, right? Maybe you're bored right now as I'm talking. I'm not sure. But your relationship with Jesus is stale. There's no more hunger for him. But if we aren't hungry for more of God, it's because we are full of ourselves. And so today, when we look at, at boredom, that's what, that's what boredom offers. But consecration, consecration is the devoting or setting apart of anything to the worship or service of God. You say, well, isn't that what we did earlier this morning, Aaron? We worshiped, we had a worship service. We raised our hands, we sang a song. Isn't that worship? No, worship is taking your lives and letting it glorify God. Letting every part of it glorify God. You know, the past couple of weeks we've talked about giving and tithing is a setting apart of 10% of what you make. It's consecrating that. It's causing the rest of your finances to be blessed. That is a consecration. It's setting something apart. It's preparing it. And so with consecration, we prepare ourselves. And how do we do that? We do that through confession. What do you mean, confession? When your time of prayer, confessing your sins to God. It's not like he doesn't know about them anyway. It's confessing them one to another. James 5.16 says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Because sin is damaging to our hearts. It's damaging to our souls. And so you have to confess. Preparing also involves removing. Removing distractions. Removing things from your lives. Maybe it's removing a relationship or it's removing a place you go or it's removing a hobby. It's removing something from your life that is keeping you from going all in with God. It's a cleansing. Sometimes we just need to be cleaned up. God, I've made a mess of things. It's preparation. God, cleanse me today. Put in me a clean heart and a right spirit so that I can live for you the best I can. It's also, it's not just preparing ourselves. It's setting apart. It's setting apart your body. I'm horrible at this. You guys can look at me and know that. Horrible at this part of consecrating my body. And it's something I've began this past week. I went to the gym this past week and I'm, I'm making a decision because I'm one decision away from a different life. And every morning at 5 a.m. or rather 5.45, I have to decide to get up out of bed and go to that gym. I have to. I'm one decision away from a different life. And I started last week and hopefully I'll continue to look smaller and smaller every week. Because how can I sit up here and preach a message about going all in if I'm not doing it myself? So I'm telling you my all in moment. I'm confessing before all of you. And I, I would love for you to hold me accountable. You going to the gym, Aaron? What you doing? Oh, leg day. Leg day hurts. Still hurt. Still hurt. Setting apart your body. But not just 
for health, but not defiling your body by what you take in or by what you do with your body. It's setting apart your thoughts, your time, your energy, your money, your life, and it's serving one another, right? This life is not about serving ourselves. It's about serving other people. It's about being prepared to do that. Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore, I urge you. Paul is urging you. This is an urgent request. This is a plea. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, and what wonderful mercy it is, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act worship. Worship is more than a song. It's a lifestyle. It's a way that we live. And we say we want more of God, don't we? But we are not willing to consecrate ourselves. We, God is just asking us to sacrifice the ordinary so that we can receive the extraordinary in our lives. And once we consecrate ourselves, God is able to do something amazing in us and through us. What if I told you this? That you currently right now have all of the Jesus that you want. Does that upset you? Does it? Does it frustrate you? Or when you think that you have all the Jesus that you want, does it make you smile? Because you know that you are pursuing that relationship, that you are all in with him. How does your heart feel when I say that to you? James 4.8, and I know that you have all the Jesus you want because of this verse. It says, come near to God, and he will come near to you. It takes a step in his direction, and God will take a step towards you. You ever watched an infant and a father or a mother, you know, when they're taking those steps? Baby takes a step, and it's like an inch at a time. But when daddy takes a step, oh, man, when they're coming towards each other, daddy takes a step. It's a big step. And you take another little step as an infant, and daddy takes another big step towards you, racing towards that embrace. If we will draw near to God. God will draw near to us in greater and bigger ways than we will draw near to Him. It just takes a little step. And the verse is, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. A consecrated life is one that seeks to bring honor to the name of Christ. I said it at the beginning of today's service. Our purpose is to give glory to God. That's our lives. That is our chief end to give glory to Him and to enjoy Him all the days of our lives. But consecration, when we consecrate ourselves, when we prepare ourselves, we gain God's trust. And it's through more trust that God can trust us with more. And God will give you no more than He can trust you with. So today, I want to begin this series with this. This is a, this is a, a tough series because I'm going to challenge you. Are you going all in? Are you 100% in this? Or are you just hanging out? Are you bored with your Christian walk? Because if you are, there's much adventure to be had. Let's pray. If you're here today, and, uh, and every head bowed, every eye is closed. You're here today, and you say, you know what, Aaron, that's me. You're talking about me. I'm bored with my Christian walk. I've been following Jesus for so long. I don't know how it happened. I don't, I don't even know when it happened or maybe you know when the fire did die out but you can point to a moment in your life and say there there's there's where it was two years ago i was on fire two years ago i invited my friends and family and i didn't care if anybody anybody said anything negative about my faith i was going to invite them i was going to tell them about jesus two years ago i was 
living a different life for Jesus. And I want that again. I want to have an adventure with Christ. I want to do that. If you're here today and that's you, if you're a Christian and your love maybe has just grown stale, if you just put your hand up and let me know that you're here, I want to pray for you. My love is stale. I want it to be on fire again. I'm bored with my life, my Christian life. Thank you for those hands. And then today, you may be here and, and you know, you hear us talking about a Christian faith and well, you've never even committed yourself to Christ once, not once, and you don't even know what that life is like. But I'm here to tell you today that God loves you and God wants to do amazing things in you and through you and for you. He's a heavenly father that loves you so much that he sent his son to die on a cross for you to take our sins, to take our punishment away from us. And all you have to do is simply accept that today. And accepting is just a simple prayer. And if you're here today and you've never crossed that line of faith, to say, Jesus, you are Lord, and you want to today, I'm going to count to three. And if you just put your hand up, we'll pray together. You are one moment away right now. I'm counting. One. One moment away from a totally different life. One decision away from allowing God's love to flood your life. Two, you can make that decision today and be different. If you just put your hand up when I say three. Three. Thank you. I'd love to just pray out loud real quick for those of you who are making that confession of faith. Everybody in this room should pray with them. Just pray out loud so your own ears can hear because nobody should ever pray alone. Jesus, I accept you as Lord. I believe that you died for my sins and that you rose from the dead. Thank you, Jesus. Show me how to live my life for you and I'll spend my days doing just that.